This show is sponsored by Duncan Cold K Cups. Duncan Cold K Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. It's convenient and tasty. You brew over ice, straight out of the Keurig coffee maker. You just brew over ice and you sip them in seconds. You're going to love these Duncan Cold K Cups. Enjoy the bold, smooth Duncan taste you know and love. Find Duncan Cold Coffee in the roasted coffee aisle. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when you hear that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you're probably thinking, yeah, sure, what's the catch? Well, uh, there isn't one. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. The team here at Literally has tried Mint Mobile out, and this is the review. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. It was great. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan, for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Do Roberto Lowe. Roberto Lowe. In the house. Here I am. Here I am, brother. Hello, everybody. Welcome to literally uh, Dule Hill. Charlie Young, for you West Wing listeners, um, joins us today. Currently is starring in The Wonder Years on ABC. One of my favorite people in the business and just a wonderful actor. He can be funny. He can be dramatic and just one of the all around great guys who everybody loves. Let's go with Dule Hill. I love it. It's a mini West Wing reunion. It's a new iteration of Wonder Years. So much done with my man, Fred Savage. Oh, yeah. You you saw him the other day, matter of fact, didn't you? I did. I was in it. I was in Atlanta. You're in Atlanta shooting the new Wonder Years, which is doing great. It's already on the air and everybody loves it. Um, And um, Frederick J. Savage, as I call him. from the grind from grinder fame we went and had dinner it was great he loves you i was so excited i didn't even know you were uh, and obviously until it came out i was like well but who's playing the dad that's a huge part it's a big part like delay i'm like what how did you not tell me fred (laughs) that my guy was doing it are you are you having a great time i'm having a blast over there i really am like i'm uh really honored to be able to tell this story at this time It's, it's you know it's a good time we're just having 
you know, the, all the talent that I'm able to work with every day, going from Saladin Patterson to Fred Savage to the entire cast, EJ Williams, who's playing uh, Dean, which is the yep. Kevin Arnold role. He's really a phenomenal young actor. And How old is he in, uh, in real life? I think EJ might be, he might be about 12, 11 to 12. Don't get me to lie. If, if I'm wrong, EJ, then, then I send my apologies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So is he, he is a child actor. He's doing all that. Like, all right, back to school. And oh, he yeah. Shuffles. Oh, right? gosh. All that. I do not. I, I tell him every time. I'm like, I do not miss that. I hated it. I think I was doing Sugar Hill. I think I was doing Sugar Hill when I turned 18. <laughs> and I was had to do my onset tutoring the day before. And on my 18th birthday, I said, I'm not doing this anymore. Because I was 18. I was like, you know what? I'm not coming. It's over. It was, it was so liberating at the time. I mean, I, I will say well, one of my uh, tutors was when I was doing the tap dance kid, Dr. Ibrahim Abdul-Malik. He, he actually became one of my lifelong mentors. He just passed away this last this last year, but uh, he lives 93 years old. You can't be mad at that, wow. that journey. No, for sure. How you been, man? What's uh, been going on with yourself? It's great to see you, man. I'm, I'm good. I'm so I'm bummed we didn't get to connect in Atlanta, but um, I was I was there only for like, five weeks and working every day mm -hmm. um and all of that but uh yeah it's good to see yeah. you you look great thank you thank you you don't you don't age well, you know i'm just trying to keep up with you roberto you know what i'm saying I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you were like the epitome of, of, of not aging you see you are like the epitome <laughs> of getting better with time you see <laughs> well you're very you're very nice to see it. How, how old were you when we first met i think i was about 20 i think i joined west wing when i was 23 if I'm not mistaken, 23 into 24. And I'm trying to think of, was that like episode seven? No, it was episode three. It was only episode, episode three? three? Yeah. No way. A proportional response, I mean, episode three. I mean, I know it was early, but I didn't, episode three. Yeah. You know, and I, because I had, and I, that was my test. Like I had a series, I was guaranteed four episodes, but technically I was a special guest star for the first four episodes that I was on the show. Right. But I had a series regular deal set up and they would have they had the option to pick it up after the first episode, a, a proportional response. They picked up. They picked up my option. They didn't even wait the rest of the year. They're like, oh, this kid's great. Yeah. So I was like, all right. I was really concerned about being able to pay my rent for the rest of the year. So once they once they picked up my option, I said, well, at least now, you know, at least I can have a little bit more, a little bit more runway to, in my life. Did you. I'm, I'm assuming because everybody did. Do you, did you audition and read with Aaron? I did. I had just been dropped by my old agents a few months before because I hadn't booked during that pilot season. It had been about a year since I had really had booked anything substantial. And they were going through some changes and they wanted me to move on. So I moved over to a new agency. And then there was, I guess, during that year before, maybe that was in 98. 98, I had tested for this. This uh, pilot called Bloomington, Indiana. I went to studio for it. I didn't go to network, but I went to the studio test for it. Right. I didn't get it. But the, there was a casting director named Kevin Scott who remembered me from that audition. And when West Wing, the role of Charlie was coming along and he and John Levy were, were casting it, he searched me out. I wasn't, I, wasn't really? at, yeah, I wasn't at my old agency anymore, but he went and found who I was with and said, please have Dulé come in for this role. Wow. And they, you know, so I was like, okay, West Wing, I knew who Aaron Sorkin was. And I remember watching the pilot before our audition. They said, I said, if they could do this every week, this would be one of the greatest shows ever on television. The question would be, can they do this every week? Because this is a phenomenal pilot. <laughs> uh, I, I went into the, over there at Warner Brothers, went in, I met with Kevin first 
in his office, we kind of read through the scene like once or twice, just to make sure I had the pacing right. And he told me, Aaron is very specific about his words. So make sure you have the words right. Cool. Yep. Walked across the <laughs> yep. hall, went in and met Aaron Sorkin. It was Aaron was there. I think Tommy Shlami was there for that one. And then maybe Michael Lehman. He might've been directing. Director. Yeah, he might've been directing that, that episode. Michael Lehman might've been there or not. But then I went and read for him, did it. A week, a week later, I got another call back. And that time, this time it was Aaron, it was Tommy, it was Michael Lehman, and it was John Wells. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> because that's, yeah. that's the guy who wrote You Can't Handle the Truth. That's the guy who produces ER. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Uh, and, and, I, right. and I need a job because I don't have any more money. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, I read for him and that was it. That, like, I didn't go, I didn't do any test after that. There was no studio, no, not anything. I just, yeah. from there, next thing I know, I'm here. You know, looking, looking at you and looking at Martin and looking at Allison. I mean, when I tell you, I was nervous. I mean, just the fact of being in the room with all of you, I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. That's Martin Sheen. That's Rob Lowe. That's, that's Allison Janney. That's John Spencer. This is crazy. And then, and, you know, and then the scene that we did with me sitting, getting interviewed by... Me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this, this is crazy. Because just a few months ago, I was dropped by my agent. And just a, uh, a month ago... I was telling Freddie Prince Jr., like, brother, I need to get a job or else I'm coming to live with you because I don't have any more money. And now here I am doing a scene with Roberto Lowe. That's that's the great thing about our business. And, you know, I, I there's, you know, I'm, I'm a jaded old veteran. So there's a lot of some grumpy old man now. So there's a lot of stuff that I, you know, like, ah, that I hate. But that is the thing that keeps you waking up every morning is you never know. First of all, just the pilot you didn't get. You're like, God damn it. I would have loved to have got it. That you not getting yes. the pilot got you the West Wing. Right. The blessing was me not getting the pilot. And when we, if we remember that in our lives, our lives are so much better because they're, they're, n- there's nothing, nothing bad. Everything has a reason, you know, it just takes a, w- a while to play out. I, I didn't realize that, that, um, that was the genesis of it. I just, I remember vividly though, working with you that first, I feel like it was an, I feel like the first time we worked here was in the, the Roosevelt room. And I think I was, we were interviewing you for the, for the job, job was the scene, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm um, for a messenger. Oh, no, sorry. I was here for a messenger job. I, th- I think I said something right. like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh my God. We had so much fun. I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, I could always count on you on the, remember how awful those Fridays were? Oh yeah. Do you remember? They're legend, legendary. We would start shooting like 6 p.m. and wouldn't start you know, finished till Saturday morning at 6 a.m. And I knew it was getting gnarly when I would hear the tap dancing. Like when the tap dancing started, I knew we were grinding, right? Here's the thing. I still, to this day, I'm, I still tap dance on set. It's just, it is something I started during the West Wing. And yep. it's something that stayed with me ever since. And speaking of the tap dancing, I remember I could dance anywhere in the West Wing except Mrs. Landingham's office. If I started to dance in, in Mrs. Landingham's office, Catherine would look up and she would say, Dulay. And I would know. <laughs> like, That's amazing. You can go in the Oval Office, you can go in, down the portico, anywhere else. But inside here, <laughs> we're, we're going to keep it quiet. <laughs> that's that's yeah. amazing she would say it lovingly you know what i mean but she was yes. always like delay <laughs> i can just see her <laughs> the great mrs lanningham you had the 
You had one of the great, we had a lot of great moments in West Wing, but one of the great ones of all time is getting that awful phone call, Mrs. Lanningham's accident death. You're the one who answers the phone, right? You know, when I first was rehearsing it, there was a lot of emotion because like, oh my gosh, Mrs. Lanningham, Mrs. Lanningham died. And I was kind of receiving it with a lot of emotion. And Aaron came and saw the rehearsal and he said, Charlie has been around death far too often. His mother lives there in Southeast DC. His mother was killed in the line of duty. And he kind of was like running off a few different things. So he's kind of a little numb to it. So when you hear this news about Mrs. Landingham, yes, it affects you, but it's a call you've received before. And that Mm. really changed. So it changed the performance where really I was more stoic, really. Once I heard it, it was just, I, I heard it, delivered the information and kept on moving. That was like, you know, that was a, one of those Sorkin moments that I vividly remember because he came and he gave a specific note that I thought was a really good note and made his way into the performance. That's a great piece of direction. I mean, and that's, that's why the show, well, I think why the show was so smart were, were choices like that. Like, that's a super smart, super counterintuitive, but 100% logical when explained makes perfect sense note but nine out of ten writers would would not do it that way and nine out of ten actors would not do it that way right and you got to have and you got to have somebody at the helm of the show like aaron who is unquestioned Mm -hmm. because otherwise well maybe we should also do one right right (laughs) right how many times have you seen that right and what i learned doing early on doing the the show was if you just trusted the process the scenes worked. The story worked. Because the, the instinct initially when you couldn't get the words right would be like, well, why can't we just do it like this? Why can't we just add this or add that? It's like, because that's not the way he wrote it. <laughs> yeah. And once you, fa- once you found that rhythm, it really worked. And it, it helped me learn how to trust a little bit more in the process. You know, Trust the words. I, same for me early on. You know, we, we you have a long career and, and you work on some things that are better written than others. Some things, you know, it's really upon you as an actor to to bring the life to it mm-hmm. because it may not be that well written. <laughs> right. Um, and I remember a director, maybe it was Aaron, somebody taking me aside and just saying, he didn't say all you have to do is say the words, but basically that's what he was saying. And, the, and he's right. It's like, you, there's no... You don't got to put, you don't have to put any top spin on it. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to do anything other than say the words. Exactly. By the way, as we saw, I mean, not all the time because our casting was great on the show, but every once in a while guest cast would come through and it's hard to just say the words. Mm -hmm. A lot of great actors could not do it. That was the best training ground I could ever ask to be a part of. Doing the words of Aaron Sorkin, having Tommy Shlami direct working with all of you all, like you and, and Richard and Martin and Allison and Stockard. And every actor on the show had a speciality, I thought, like that were super, super crazy. Like I marveled, I talk about it a lot, but I just marveled over John Spencer's ability to get more out of two lines than most people could get out of a soliloquy. Oh yeah. I mean, he, he, he could make the line, thank you, Mr. President, mean 500 <laughs> different for real right <laughs> exactly really and truly and 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 allison 
Don't get started on Allison. Oh my gosh. I mean, she's, I think people always ask me who I think the best actor I ever worked with. And, and I, I think it's, it's, I think it's Allison. And I don't think anybody's close after that, actually. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think there's anybody close for me either. I mean, Allison by far is the most gifted actor I've worked with. Right. Yeah. She really is phenomenal in what she delivers for myself. It set the bar so high that has really stayed with me in my career. I've, I've taken those years of the West Wing along every step along uh, along the way as I've gone gone forward. This is this is the bar. Now I know that we don't always achieve that level of craftsmanship and that level of skill, but that's always what we're leaning into. If you're going to do it, then let's really do it. If not, then we might as well go home. And I, you know, not saving for myself is because I came in really as a student with that cast. I didn't have a chance to learn bad habits because as you were saying, mm. everybody came in really putting all of their leaning into it, giving their all to it, trying to raise the bar each episode, each season. It didn't leave room for me to start picking up bad habits from people because that wasn't that environment. Do you remember what the energy was like for that? It was like, it was like a playoff game every week when we did those table reads. I mean, it was electric. People used to want to come and sit in on the table reads. If I'm not, if I'm recalling yes. correctly, yeah. And people did every once in a while. In fact, the Mrs. Landingham death table read, Brian Williams, the newscaster, was there with his family. And I'll never forget it And because no one knew we were killing Mrs. Landingham. Right. At least I, I, don't, no think, one I don't think Catherine knew. Nobody. I mean, it was we couldn't believe it. It was like, what's happening? And I looked over at Brian Williams. He's like, is it always like this? In his newscaster voice. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll never forget filming in D.C., we were on location somewhere and I did a scene and I went back to Video Village and then who was sitting there but the former Secretary of State, Madeleine Albright. They're really, I'm, I was like, what in the world is happening with my life? <laughs> I was right? like, this is crazy. I, oh. How you doing, Madam Secretary? Hi. Oh, wow, this is unexpected. Remember the first time we went to D.C. and uh, I'll never forget, it was Aaron Sorkin, me, somebody, I, I feel like I don't know who I've got. We were anyway. We're we're in the Oval Office. I remember Aaron and I being there, and 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 President Clinton was pitching story ideas. Oh wow! To Aaron, <laughs> like he was like, "I think you guys should." Do. And I'll never forget. So here's what President Clinton pitched. I'll because I'll never forget mm-hmm. it. Standing in front of the Resolute desk, it's Aaron and me standing together. You know how, how like uncomfortable Aaron can be meeting people, mm-hmm. like meeting normal people. Aaron can get super uncomfortable. So he's being. The president of the United States. So Aaron is at his twitchiest, sort of craziest, like jumping out of his skin that he can possibly be. Uh, and, and President Clinton is like, I think you guys should do a story about these young kids that come here. They give their all. They're, they work for nothing. They all these hours and then they make friends with somebody in the press. And that person just shit boxes them. And I remember thinking, what does that mean? Shit boxes them. And <laughs> that was that was Clinton's. Uh, pitch and uh, and Aaron was like, oh, okay, well, uh, that's a good idea, Mr. President. And I gotta go. And Aaron turns and like fled, <laughs> <laughs> fled. And I was like, Aaron, you just chilled the president of the United States. Because because how do you tell the president that's that's a a terrible idea? Yeah. How do you say I'm not going to shit. use that? That shit box. Like uh, shit box him. And how do you say I don't understand what shit box actually means, Mr. President? Well, you know, no two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas 
vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activity allow for such an infinite number of different travel experiences. I mean, I love Texas. I go like this. The people of Dallas, the culture of Austin, and I love any time I get there. If you're a beach person, well, you can go have fun in the sun with Texas 350 miles of coastline. If you're a rugged vacation type, there's campgrounds, hiking trails, state parks, golf is nuts there, foodies, you got your Texas barbecue and live music in Austin. And of course, if you're into the cowboy scene, you can certainly find it there. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom trip matched to their own unique interests. So visit TravelTexas.com slash own to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash own. Hey, everybody. Join Macy's and Girls, Inc. to empower a new generation of leaders now during Women's History Month throughout March. You can help fund STEM and college and career readiness programs for girls when you donate online to Girls, Inc. or round up your purchase. Plus, shop women-owned and founded brands like Kaylee Cosmetics, New Face, and Better Not Younger. Learn more and celebrate the creative power of women now and all year round at Macy's.com purpose. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's been a great journey, though, brother. I'm, 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 uh, I'm very thankful, you know, to be able to go from the West Wing to Psych to Suits and now to the Wonder Years. I'm, my mind, I'm always blown away at the journey. You know that um, the West Wing pilot and the Wonder Years pilot are renowned as the two, like, most perfectly formed pilots. Did Like, like when people talk about, it, like, if you see The Sopranos or well, there's all these great shows, but they, even if it takes one or two episodes to develop, but sometimes it takes longer, the Wonder Years pilot and West Wing are the ones everybody points to and said they, those shows arrived fully formed. And look at you and both of them. <laughs> sure enough. The Psych movie's coming out, right? The next one? It is. That, that just blows, blows my mind, the fact that there is a Psych movie three. It's beyond belief. So that show, okay, so walk me, because it, it was always super funny and super good, but it was, it reminds me a little bit of Parks and Recreation, I think, in that it always did fine. Not a monster hit, not a disaster, but like just, it always did fine, but it just chugged and chugged and chugged, chugged and chugged along, right? Sure enough. And it had like its, you know, its fan base just kept slowly and surely building, you know, the we had a great run of eight seasons, which I thought was going to be the end of it. And then the idea to be able to go and do one movie was, oh, that's pretty cool. Who, who would have thunk it? Yeah. And now we did the second one and now it's to be the third one. And I think what has helped has been the growth of, of streaming because yeah. that streaming has allowed for easier access to the catalog, which in turn has allowed folks who are fans of the, of, of the series to then expose it to a younger audience. 
an even wider audience. But I mean, I mean, we started, we did that pilot in 2005. It's crazy. We are in 2021. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I'm really bl- blown away by it. And I'm so appreciative of the psych fans, the psychos for their, their engagement. Because it's only because they've stayed engaged over the years while we've had the opportunity to keep telling that story. I love the, the show set in Santa Barbara, my hometown. I'm talking to you from, I'm talking to you from Santa Barbara you see? right now. And we've not shot one day ever in Santa Barbara. Not one not day one ever. Not one day. You know, I think you know what happened on one episode. I'm, I should have sent you that clip years ago. There's one episode where w- there's somebody I think is working as a as a reporter in Santa Barbara, and we're talking to them, and somehow we worked in your name, like something. <laughs> he, he has to go and do something about about Rob Lowe. Amazing. And then I said, uh, I said, yeah, he uh, he likes to eat uh, oysters at Lucky's. You know what I mean? No way. <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's our spot, man. That's you our see spot. What I'm yeah, you and me. Yep. The first time I ever had oysters was over there with you. <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> yep. I, that's a life moment you and I you share. You know what I mean? And then uh, anytime I'm back there, first of all, anytime I even get close to Santa Barbara, you know I'm calling you. And if you're around, that's I'm right. like, let's go to Lucky's. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's too good. T- tell me what's happening with Lights Out. What's the latest? I think, well, the latest is once theater continues to open back up, we're going to be doing like a workshop in New York for financiers because the goal is to get it to Broadway. That's the next step that we're looking to take. If we're going to do it, let's get it to the main stage. Now, mind you, Daniel J. Watts, who plays uh, Sammy Davis in the play, he now got nominated for a Tony because he's playing Ike Turner in uh, the Tina Turner musical on Broadway now. Wow. You know what I mean? He he was a stud. It's such a great show. It's, uh, I, I just loved it, loved you in it. It's, I hope you, I, I can't imagine that, that you guys won't get your shot to do it on Broadway. It just ticks every box, you'd think. Yeah, I, th- I think that it's a great time for it to happen now. I think the message of what is being, here's the thing, this happened before all of the social uprisings of 2020. That's right. But that's exactly what the, the piece was talking about. It's exactly what the piece was talking about. So I think it would be a great conversation piece to have on this, the stage now. Yep. To kind of pull back the layers a little bit and delve into the psyche of what goes on, you know. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, uh, Patricia McGregor, who is the director and co-writer, and Coleman Domingo, who is the, the co-playwright, they're very passionate about getting it done. So I trust we're going to see more of Lights Out and that King Cole. And the family loved it. Like the, One of the most touching things to me about about doing that show was, one, when Freddie Cole came to see the show, who's Nat King Cole's brother, and Mr. Mr. Freddie Cole has now passed away as well. He was like, you're telling the story. You got it. Wow. This is, I, I kind of saw you and was thinking it was my brother up there. And wow. he saw that early on in the process. And then his, Mr. Cole, Nat King Cole's uh, two daughters came to see the show. And they said, this is the story of our father that needs to be told. Oh, fantastic. This is it. And that really touched me because it, it was wonderful to have audiences love it. It's wonderful to even have critics love it. But more importantly for me is those who are connected to the story, who really know the story. Does it check your boxes? Is it, Tim, mm-hmm. are we doing justice to your story? Because the Cole family, this is your story. That's your father. That's your brother. Yes, it's Nat King Cole at large for us, but this is someone who's very connected to you. So the fact of getting their approval really warmed my heart and kind of, I guess, inspired me to keep going forward with it. 
What's your favorite Nat King Cole song? Chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose, Yuletide carols being sung by a choir, that one. And folks uh, dressed up like Eskimos, everybody, everybody knows. knows. <laughs> I love that uh, song. I love that song. The Nat King Cole Christmas album is the best album ever. Yeah, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal artist. And he, I can relate to him in the... F- Early on, when I even started the process of that piece, I can relate to him of, as a, a black artist in this world, a black man in this world, there's a way that you maneuver yourself. And there are times that you really have to swallow a lot sometimes to say, okay, I'm not going to lose my mind right here. <laughs> God, and, you know what I mean? And I can relate to that. I can understand that. And, and I feel like, especially Mr. Cole, back in the, you know, there was so much that he and other artists like him had to, really suck up to move the ball forward that I, I truly admire and appreciate him. And not only that, one of the interesting things that you don't think about that's in the play is like people who were more, more overtly active were like, why aren't you doing this? And that's a sort of really interesting wrinkle, I, I yeah. think, in the play. Yeah. It's like there's different ways to skin a cat. That, exactly. And, and, and he had a very specific sort of point of view and mindset. He wasn't ambivalent about it, right. but he had a sort of his own way of, of, of go up, of going about the same sort of social justice that everybody else was doing, but it was it super different than Sammy Davis's mm-hmm. super different than, you know, uh, other folks as well. And look, and he was being in showing up in, you know, television or in homes every week on television in the most intimate place of people and being welcomed and people enjoying what you're doing and connecting to you that also is moving the ball forward that also is chipping away at some of the prejudices that people have in their mind because they say they see you and they connect to you and they realize that there are things that are familiar to like with them about about you and it's not always like there's always different lanes that everyone has to play and yeah. so that's what i respected about his story that's what i respected about i really appreciate about the play is that it, it Explore the nuance yeah. of the revolution, the, the nuance of movement, the nuance of change, yeah. the nuance of moving the ball forward, the, the nuance of bringing people together. <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's not just one way to do it. It's a little bit of what Wonder Years is doing now. It is, you know, and what I, what I, early on when, they, when I first read that, that the show was being done, I, like I've known Saladin Patterson for a, a, quite a long time. He was one of the co-exec producers on Psych. So I was one, I was very happy for Saladin to have an opportunity to tell this story. But then two, I turned to Jasmine, Simon, my wife, and I was like, Jasmine, if this is the type of, if I was going to do network television, this is the kind of show I would want to do. Because there is heart, there is humor, there is joy, there is passion, there's also struggle. And really what I connected to was in the midst of all the tumultuous times of what was going on in the late 1960s, this family, which is like, so many families across the country stayed connected in love, in unity, in understanding, and they were able to create their very own wonder years with inside their walls, in spite of what was going on out in the country as a whole. So I really connected to that. And I feel that taking a show like the original Wonder Years, which is so beloved by so many, and just expanding the lens, tur- yeah. turning, turning the camera just a little bit, that this also could help bridge bridge gaps and build unity because people could then see experiences that are very familiar to them that they're like that's just like my family 
That was just like my, me coming up. But also see how the journey can be a little different for someone who, who's a, who looks a little different than yourself. I think there's power in that. And this version of the Wonder Years to me is only one version, but there are countless versions of the Wonder Years that we can tell inside this country because we're such a dynamic, diverse country. And there's not just one, one story to tell. There's not just one of, of this. This is the only way to tell the Wonder Years. There's Wonder Years for me. There's Wonder Years for you. There's Wonder Years for an Hispanic family. There's Wonder Years for an East Indian family that's here. There's Wonder Years for an Irish family. There's Wonder Years, you know, for... Yeah. A, a Japanese family. There's so many stories that we could tell that if they were had the opportunity to share those stories, I guarantee you, we would find things that were entertaining. That we would find things that would make us laugh. That we would find things that would make us cry. We would find things that we could connect to, and they would. We would also find things that that would we'd be enlightened to. to say, wow, I didn't realize. I didn't realize that that's how that experience experience was for them. I, it, it, I would get a broader understanding of of someone else's point of view. What is also interesting is when you take like a um, a national moment that everybody participates in, and then see how the, the, it affects families differently. That's the shift, yeah, right? Right. And I think that that you know, if they ever were to do more, let's just say, it yeah. should always be within that time frame. That's a magical time frame. Yeah. It's. I mean. As I was preparing to, to do the role and start really taking the time to look back at that time, it was like, man, there was so much going on. The scary thing, also the encouraging thing, as I was preparing to do the role and I looked back at that time, is that so many of those things we're still going through to today. It's a little different. It's not as overt or this or that, but a lot of those struggles are still there. But the empowering thing about it is that even if you look back then, there, there, there was a community of people who were, came together trying to move the ball forward. And even today, there's a community of people who are trying to move the ball forward, who are trying to get to a place where there's equality for all, where there truly is justice for all, where there truly is equal opportunity for, of success for all. No matter what you look like, what your orientation is, you know what I mean? Like really oh, making, yeah. making, who want America to be, let, all that she says she is why don't you run for office oh man look <laughs> i'm not kidding i'm not kidding i'd vote for you i think I'll, i'd camp i'll be your sim seaborn you see what i'm saying i will i'm like if aaron sorkin writes all my speeches then maybe <laughs> he'd do it dude if you called him and said aaron listen i really want to make a difference i'm gonna run he would do it <laughs> i think I'm, i think i'm afraid to ask aaron that because if he said yes then i'll be caught out there he'd be like sure then you have to do it well, well no aaron you're supposed to say no that's right <laughs> have you ever okay. thought about it no i mean I, you know i i know my lane you know i'm i'm in i'm in <laughs> and i don't try to get it confused it's like i'm an yeah. actor i'm an artist and i use the space that i've been given to do my part because even as we were talking right. about before with with uh, Nat King Cole, there's different ways to skin a cat. And I always say, to, you know, it takes a billion, if, we, if I can get a billion people to move a billion stones, then we can move a mountain. But we right. can't all move the same stone. We have to do our part to, to bridge the gaps. And my thing, at least at this stage in my life, is, is the arts. Yep. Telling story, sharing story, and hopefully in the stories that I share, it can allow people to see themselves and connect with folks, even like Psych. What I liked about Psych, you know, it, it's a very lighthearted comedy. 
What I liked about Psych so much though was Sean and Gus, one being white, one being black, loved each other, appreciate each other for exactly who they were. They didn't never try to act like they one was not white and one was not black. No, no, it was never a thing. And they had a real, they have a real brotherhood, a real friendship that that has lasted the test of time. And I I like the idea of putting that out there. And you guys are hilarious. You guys had, did you have instant chemistry when you met? We, we pretty much did. I mean, our, I remember we connected. Well, really, I had the chemistry read. I had a chemistry read first, which first of all, coming from Aaron Sorkin and then going to work with James Roday, Rodriguez is like, <laughs> you talk about the pendulum swing. Because <laughs> I knew my lines. I knew the words. Just do the words. That's what I came from. Just do the words. That's right. I get there. We start doing the scene and this dude is all over the place. I'm like, in my mind, and he already had he already had the role. So in my mind, I'm like, is this dude trying to sabotage my mm-hmm. you know, my read right here? What's going mm-hmm. on? Like you going all over the place. But then, mm-hmm. you know, I mean at the same time, I think being a a tap dancer, I was able to just go with it. Yeah. And then after we did that, when I was going to go to network, he actually came to my house to to work on the material before my read, which I thought was so gracious of him because he had the job. Wow. I can't say that I would necessarily have done that. I'm in my mind, I'm like, well, I already have a job. So if you want <laughs> yeah. if you want to work on it, then you can come to me. <laughs> Same, right? Yeah, exactly. Here's my address. <laughs> right. You ring the doorbell, I will answer. <laughs> Neither one of us came with any ego. We came just trying to do the best work. Let us have fun. Let's just try to make a funny show. Let's see what happens. And that really, I think, helped the dynamic. Because once we came that way, then everybody else had to fall in line. So it, it, it didn't leave room for, for egos to flourish in that dynamic. Right. Which, which I kind of I kind of gathered from the West Wing as well. It's like, look, we're here to have fun. We're here to do the work, tell the best story. And really, with Rodea, I applaud him because, yes, it's a, it's a two-hander, but he is more of a lead than Gus is. He wasn't always so concerned about being the funny one. Right. We all worry yep. about where is the comedy. Wherever the comedy is, let's do it there. If it's going to work for me to be funny, great. If it's for Tim Amundsen to be funny, great. Maggie Lawson, great. Corbin Burnson, great. You know what I mean? It, yep. And I think that helped the chemistry as a whole because it wasn't, people weren't so tight with it. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet with faster speeds rolling out every day and Internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement, while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply, actual speeds vary, and not guaranteed. Vital Proteins knows that we ask a lot of our body. Like when we ask it to bend over backward to unfold the stroller, balance a full armload of groceries, and wrestle your one-year-old out of the car seat. 
all while maintaining your good hair day. Support your skin, hair, nail, bone, and joint health by taking Vital Proteins, Collagen Peptides. Vital Proteins, for everybody with a body. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Tell me about suits. How did suits happen? And most importantly, did you go to the royal wedding? <laughs> uh, most importantly, I did not. I did not go to the royal wedding. I was not invited to the royal wedding. Boo. You see what I'm saying? You see? Boo. Boo, boo. Now, the rest of the cast did, so I heard all the stories about the royal wedding when they came back. How royal was it? Was it royal? I bet it was royal beyond royal, royally, royalson. They had a good time. But I heard that the cuisine was not the best, though. It's England. And, and, and the higher you go in England, the worse the food gets. <laughs> you see? For sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so, you want good food, go, go get fish and chips at the pub. That stuff's dope. I hear that. <laughs> so, you go to a palace, get ready to starve. Yeah. That was a story that I do remember with, that they came back with. But I getting the show, I got suits because doubt got canceled. Pretty much. Mm. You know, it's funny. And again, it's funny how things work. Because Doubt was coming out, and I, it, I thought it was going to do very well. It was on CBS. It was myself, Catherine Heigl, Elliot Gould, uh, Laverne Cox, Stephen Pasquale. Yeah. Jesus. You know, dream- hitters. Yeah. You know, so you figure, like, okay, this is all coming together. I thought that, okay, this is going to be really good. But uh, it just didn't land. It didn't land. By, the, by like, the third, third episode, you know, we were off the air. But because the billboards were out there, Aaron Korsh, who was the creator of Suits, was a very big West Wing fan. So he was a fan of mine from the West Wing. And Suits was at USA. And once he saw the billboard, like, because I was a lawyer in that, and he was like, Dulé would be good. He would be a, a, a good addition to Suits. Like, he would be a, a good character to, to bring on. But too bad he's on, he's on this show now. Mm-hmm. When Doubt got canceled, he called up Stephen O'Neill over at USA. They reached out to me to see if I'd be interested and here's the, here's the thing. I mean, I was a fan of the I was a fan of the show for all those years. Got new suits, being on site. You know what I mean? Yep. And then I really wanted to do something. One reason why I even took doubt, I wanted to do something where I could be a little more slick, like yeah, put on some suits, look a little more grown. That was what I had desired to do next. So when that opportunity came, I jumped at it. But also, yep. Rob, I took something out of your playbook. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Tell me, baby, it's I want to hear. I always call it like it's the Rob Lowe play, playbook now. If you go and you do a show and it doesn't do well, go jump on something that can be a hit. That's already a hit. Go jump on something like join a cast. Don't go back and try to keep doing shows, keep doing shows, keep doing shows. That's right. You do it. And that's, they, that's what I did. I said, you know what? I did doubt. It got canceled. I'm not going to go and do another pilot. Then the pilot yep. doesn't get picked up or I do another pilot. Yep. And then a pilot gets to air, but then gets canceled after two episodes. No, you're not going to. Right now, I have the thing of West Wing site. I'm not going to be caught up in the show killer <laughs> you know the show killer. Then, you no, know? that's right so when the opportunity came it fit everything that i wanted it to do it was a cable show so i wasn't going to be working all year long especially as i was going into a new stage of life and then i was able to be more of a man on screen because it was mm-hmm. it was a slick and sexy show and then i also could put some distance between the show that i was just on that i was one of the leads of that got canceled like quickly canceled not canceled after 10 episodes or <laughs> <laughs> three three and out oh i've been there i was yeah. like 
I, I remember my tweet. I remember my tweet after the show got canceled. I was like, wait, so you're telling me you don't just normally do a show and then it runs for seven to eight seasons? That's not how it normally goes? <laughs> you're like, you're like, wait, yeah, all my shows go eight seasons and win multiple Emmys, right? But yeah, so that's so when the opportunity came along, then that's why I, I jumped at it. And I loved it. I loved working working with that cast. When are we we got we got to figure out what we're gonna do together? Man, man, first of all, I told Fred you all need to try to bring back the grinder. I loved that show. I loved that show. Even when it was on, I was like, if Rob calls me, I'm coming to do that in a heartbeat. And <laughs> we would have, you know? we would have in a minute. It's it is one of those shows that I'm so proud of. I'm glad. Look, I would have loved to have done more. We did. We did get to do 22 of them, and I can't believe a network put that show on the air. That's exactly what I told Fred the other day. But it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But at least we got to make 22 of them. And I mean, I wish I could get the psych movie vibe going for the grinder. That would be cool. You it know, grinder funny, movie. It's such a funny show. It was so funny. Fred Savage is so funny yep. in it. Yep. It was the part of a lifetime for me. See, well, I'm uh, I'm starting the movement right now. You know what I mean? Grinder mm-hmm. movie, the Grinder movie. So starring Rob Lowe and Fred Savage. Will you just just hashtag that shit all over Twitter for me? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's yeah. grind, everybody. Let's grind. Let's <laughs> let's grind. I will. We and you can create your own role. You know what I'm we'll, saying? Yeah, yeah, hell yes. <laughs> create your own role, man. That'll be great. I would love to work with you again, though. I definitely want to work with you again, though. And hopefully, we can make it happen soon because it's been too yeah. long, brother. Way, way too long. Yeah. I love you, brother. It's great to talk to you. You look fantastic. Um, and and how old's your little one now? Two. He's like two and a half. Come up to Santa Barbara because I'm I'm living on the beach now. We'll go. We'll go out. Oh, take, he'll love uh, it. Yeah, you know, everybody out on the beach, build sandcastles and chill. Oh yeah, he will love it. He will love it. Well, Levi, we're going to see Uncle Rob. We're going to see Uncle Rob. Uncle Rob, <laughs> Lucky's <laughs> oysters for everybody. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, I love you, man. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Later. Dulay Hill, right? I mean, how great is he? He's the best. So thoughtful. He's like, I could listen to him talk forever. I want him to run. Listen, you, you heard me. I asked him to run for office. I'm not going to. He's going to get the grinder back on the air, but I'm going to get him elected. How about that? That's the takeaway from this podcast. Um, and now let's let's have a little gander at the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hey, Rob. Uh, Davis here from uh, Des Moines, Iowa. I listen to, uh, listen to you every time I tell me you release something. But uh, the question I have for you is, at the time of accepting uh, Parks and Recreation, um, TV wasn't the hottest thing to do, and it ended up being one of uh, your most popular roles. So how did you feel uh, before accepting the role, and how do you feel after it's completed? Thanks, Rob. Love you, man. Great book. Hope you have a great life. See ya. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, you're right. When I came up, um, you know, uh, TV and movies are so much different than they are now shows like friends er the west wing six feet under the sopranos 24 started to turn the tide to writers wanting to be in television 
And all of the great things start with the writing. So when the, wherever the writers go is where the actors follow. And um, really w- with the success of, of The West Wing and I think The Sopranos, that, that moved the needle to, to television. And everybody kind of followed. When I, when I did Parks and Recreation um, a few years later, you know, that, people forget that show was always beloved by its core group. But it was always, you know, one show away from being canceled. And what's amazing is that, you know, the Nielsen or whatever the hell that they use to rate the shows isn't always a great barometer. Because here we are, I have a podcast, Parks and Recollection, with Alan Yang, because the show is so beloved and fans want to talk about it all these years later. And there's no metric for that when you get the Nielsens. So you just never know what's going to stick in people's consciousness. And you're lucky if you have one in a career. And to have had various different ones is, is super, super cool. But uh, yeah, um, thanks for the, for the question. Really good question. And uh, thanks for listening. All right, y'all. I'll see you next week. Don't forget to, um, to subscribe to the whole um, shoot and match, as my great grandpa used to say. Um, that would be fantastic. And I will see you next week on Literally. You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced and engineered by me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn. And music is by Devin Tory Bryant. We'll see you next week on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Vital Proteins knows that we ask a lot of our body. Like when we ask it to bend over backward to unfold the stroller, balance a full arm load of groceries, and wrestle your one-year-old out of the car seat. All while maintaining your good hair day. Support your skin, hair, nail, bone, and joint health by taking Vital Proteins Collagen Peptides. Vital Proteins. For everybody with a body. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.